friends, welcome back to another episode of the In No Hurry podcast. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne, and I am so happy you have joined me here this week. The music that you're hearing was done by a friend of mine and an incredibly gifted musician, Ryan Allward. Make sure you go check him out on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you get your music. This week, I wanted to do something a little different with the show. There's no guest this week, and I just want to take a little time to talk with you about the topic of identity, and more specifically, what I learned about identity and contentment, and what the Bible has to say about it in the year that I was away from teaching, and really just the past year of life in general. If you listened to my episode last week with Josiah Keneally, he asked me this question, and it was a good one worth expanding on. Comparison, contentment, and identity are topics I've written and talked quite a bit about this year, mainly because that's the headspace where I've been living in. My wife Emily and I moved into our house in Bowling Green almost exactly one year ago. We moved our stuff into the house in early October, and she moved in here fully while I went back to Indiana for a few more weeks to finish coaching my final season of tennis. We were fortunate to make it to the state finals for the first time in school history that year. We lost to the eventual state champion. And on the day of my 30th birthday, October 19th, I dropped my players off back at the school, said goodbye to a program I'd worked hard to build up over three years, packed the remainder of my stuff in my car, and drove to Bowling Green to move there for good. The immediacy of this sudden change in my life was somewhat blinded by the disappointment of our season ending, the natural excitement of a new chapter in life, and my birthday celebration that day, which was coupled with my alma mater, Western Kentucky University playing its homecoming game that day, which is always a fun day. But shortly after all of that subsided, I started to feel really lost. To understand fully where I'm coming from here, you need to literally understand where I was coming from. Wright's High School, where I taught and coached for three years, is one of the most tradition-rich historical schools in Indiana. It sits right on the river near downtown Evansville and features a unique bowl-shaped football stadium that makes Friday nights feel like a movie scene. But that's not the part that was hard to leave. The school sits on the west side of Evansville, and the west side is really its own community. On top of that, most of my family, including my father, went to high school here, and there's a Claiborne etched into the side of the R that sits on the famous Wrights Hill by the school. The school is over a hundred years old now, and Claiborne's have been going there and being involved with rights for almost its entire existence. I took a lot of pride in not only teaching and coaching there, but setting school records and making history with the tennis program. Since my siblings and I didn't go to high school there, like our cousins did and the rest of our family, I felt like I was making my dad even more proud and my late grandfather especially proud by carving my own path of success there. I also got pretty embedded in the community. I had a great group of kids in my tennis program. I was well-liked by teachers and students, and I'd had a lot of success running the student publications program as well, which was the yearbook and the student newspaper. Some days were really hard, but this truly was a great job. I was in charge of a lot of stuff, and while sometimes I complained about how busy and stressed I was, deep down, I truly enjoyed it. But there's a thin line between really enjoying something and basing your worth off of the success of that something. I had a really hard time towing that line. I enjoyed the success I had and the praise that came with it. I enjoyed feeling like a known face in a big community. I enjoyed feeling like I was wanted and that I belonged. It wasn't just my job that I said goodbye to, but also my friends and my family. I'm still close enough to Evansville that I can visit them on occasion. But not having a steady group of guy friends to meet up with on a given night 
was and still is pretty hard. Emily and I have made a few friends in the year that we've been here, but most nights and weekends, it's just Emily, me, and our two cats, which don't get me wrong, I love our cats, I love Emily, but we've both been yearning for community since we moved here. I no longer had it with my job that I had in Evansville or with my friends, and while Emily and I love each other, it's good for any healthy marriage to have strong friendships outside of it. When we moved here, part of my excitement came from the fact that I'd finally had the chance to devote a lot of my time toward my creative endeavors, which included this podcast. With my new job outside of education, I'd have a lot more time to spend days working on my book or other writing projects and just pour into this podcast project. Eventually, though, without coaching, teaching, and the community that I had in Evansville, I slowly started to place my identity in these other projects. Obsessing over download numbers and followers became a weekly, sometimes daily thing. Truthfully, for the first few months that we lived here, my podcast interviews were some of the only meaningful interactions I had with people other than my wife. I planned my days and weeks around interviews that would eagerly await the social media feedback I'd get for each episode. But I was finally using my writing, communication, journalistic skills to advance God's kingdom, and ultimately that's what I've wanted to do for years with these skills that God has blessed me with. Now, I'm not trying to paint an idea that this was some super self-serving project. It wasn't. But what I am saying is that anything, even with the best intentions, can consume us in negative ways if we're not careful. It got to the point where I was so dejected, wrapped up in the comparison game, that I nearly quit doing the show 10 episodes in. I was left searching for my identity in so many other things, including this podcast. The feeling of comparison and discontentment were so strong that it led me to pen an article on my website titled, We Are Robbing Ourselves of Joy. That was in late January, and I started this podcast in late November. In just a span of a couple months, I was already feeling the burden of comparison. In that article I wrote, We are not the sum of what others tell us we are. Our value is not determined by the number of likes our Instagram post gets or the number of people who listen to our podcast or read our blog or watch our YouTube video. We are God's creation, and he has already told us who we are. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece, created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This whole year has been a process of trying to truly grasp and accept that fact. The truth is so many of us struggle with comparison and the ability to be content, and we're afraid to talk about it because it feels like an embarrassing insecurity. But the only way to put a stop to it is to address it and give it to God. However you process things and address stuff like this, do it. For me, it's writing and talking about it. For you, it might be journaling and praying. Whatever it is, do it. I got to have author and pastor Daniel M. on my show in episode 15, and in his book, You Are What You Do and Six Other Lies About Life, Work, and Love, he writes that contentment is a direction, not a destination. It's an outcome, not an action. In other words, as it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. True contentment is only found in Jesus. No award, no amount of followers or podcast downloads or readers on your blog will ever bring you true contentment. 
you will always leave wanting more. When that happens, it can be almost impossible to stop unless you give it all to Jesus. What often happens is when most discontentment sets in, we crave more. Maybe if I could just get more downloads this week, I'll be happy. Maybe if I just do this little extra thing, I'll get people's attention. Maybe if I just do more, people will see how valuable I am. Once again, that's a dead-end road. Instead, Jesus provides a cul-de-sac to turn around and get back on the right path. Luke Norsworthy, who was my guest on episode 30, had this to say about the monster of more in his new book, Befriending Your Monsters. Ever since the Garden of Eden, the monster of more has tricked us into thinking that we need more. More power, more money, more sex, more pleasure, more food, more respect, more followers. So we chase after the prop of the monster of more, disregarding the side effects that will follow. This quest will always leave us dissatisfied. It's a search for water that leads us to an empty bottle. It's a search for rest that always leads us down a never-ending road. True rest, true satisfaction is only found in Jesus. So what did I learn about God and identity in my year away from education? When you are stripped of something that has become such a big part of your identity, you realize how truly naked you feel when not clothed in God's goodness and who he says you are. Trying to cover up discontentment with a quest for more success and worldly things is like putting on a swimsuit to play in the snow. You're not prepared for the harsh elements you're about to face. There was something divine about the quarantine season where so much of what we used to either distract us or define us was stripped away from us. We couldn't pour ourselves into sports or movies or so many other things. I never wished for a pandemic to happen again, but 2020 has afforded us all the chance to recalibrate and recenter our focus and our priorities. Now, whether or not we took advantage of that is another story. And I want to be clear here, it's not a bad thing to have things you care about and are deeply invested in. In fact, those are great things, but they are not what defines you. You are not the sum of your accomplishments or mistakes in whatever you do, vocationally or recreationally. You are who God says you are, which is fearfully and wonderfully made, according to Psalm 139.14. I re-entered education this year, and though I'm in a similar position I was in Evansville, it's a different school with less responsibility, and I'm less of a known commodity. The equity and status I built up in Evansville didn't transfer over here with me. And here, I'll be the assistant tennis coach instead of the head coach. This is such a weird school year, and it's hard to handicap any part of it so far and extrapolate what the future looks like. This could have a similar result as my job at Wrights, where I get embedded with the community and have a bigger, more important role here. And I would welcome that. But even if it doesn't, I'll welcome that too. God is still writing my story as it relates to contentment and comparison. I'm far from having this all figured out, but I don't think it's by accident that my job here is a little more stripped down and a place where I found so much of my identity and coaching is being dialed back a little bit too. This year has been all about being deliberate about finding my identity in Christ. Everything else is temporary and fleeting and can be taken away at any moment. One moment it could be there, and the next day you're moving to a new town, starting a brand new life. God will be there wherever you go. So you might be asking, what does this look like? What does this practically look like? How do we put our identity in Christ? 
Truthfully, there's no silver bullet because it looks different for everyone. Pastor Rick Warren, author of The Purpose Driven Life, says it means that you abandon any image of yourself that is not from God. You start believing what God says about you. In other words, it takes deliberate action on our part to remain in prayer and in God's word and to keep God's desires for our lives above our own. Colossians 3, 2-3 says, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Thank you all for tuning in and allowing me to be vulnerable with you this week. If these topics are things that you struggle with, I'd love to hear your story. You can find me at Cole Claiborne on Instagram and Twitter or on Facebook at Cole Douglas Claiborne. You can also email me at Cole at ColeClaiborne.com. And I've written quite a bit about comparison and contentment this year. So you can head to my website, ColeClaiborne.com, and read those articles there. I've also delivered some of those articles through my newsletter. So if you want to head to the link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter, if you want more of this type of content delivered to your email inbox for free every Monday morning. I also do some giveaways. So if that interests you as well, go ahead and hit the link and sign up for that. But stay safe, everyone. I hope you have a great week. I hope you find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we'll see you next week.